Coming up on this Jerusalem Dateline, Benjamin Netanyahu calls for restraint as protests turn violent and demonstrations block major roads in Tel Aviv. Plus, the aftermath of the earthquakes in Turkey bring out the best and the worst in people. CBN's Operation Blessing is there through it all. We'll also look at the explosive growth of ISIS around the world and what that means for the Middle East and the West. All this and more coming up on this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Hello and welcome to Jerusalem Dateline. I'm Julie Stahl. Ongoing protests against Benjamin Netanyahu's government have ramped up and turned violent, prompting the prime minister to call for calm on national television. Dubbed a national day of disruption, protesters blocked main roads and key junctions in Tel Aviv and around the country. Israelis have been protesting for weeks against the government's plan to overhaul the legal system and limit powers of Israel's high court. So what we saw was a very chaotic scene in Tel Aviv. We saw police on horseback, water cannons, stun grenades. This is something that you do not normally see on Israeli streets. The unprecedented violence led Netanyahu to address the press and the nation, calling on protesters not to cross red lines. I know there are many citizens among you, lovers of the country who enthusiastically support the legal reform. I also know that there are many citizens, also lovers of the country, who oppose the reform with the same enthusiasm. But in democracy, there are clear rules on how to conduct the debate. In Jerusalem, protesters gathered outside Netanyahu's official residence, and Netanyahu's wife, Sarah, was prevented for three hours from leaving a hair salon in Tel Aviv when about a thousand protesters surrounded the place. Opposition leader Yair Lapid and Benny Gantz called on them to back off so hundreds of police could rescue her. We can't accept violence. We can't accept beating police officers. We can't accept blocking roads. We can't accept threats to public personalities and their families. A thing that is happening at this moment exactly in the heart of Tel Aviv, we will not accept breaking the rules on violence, not in Huwara, not in Tel Aviv, and not anywhere. Netanyahu believes the two sides can find a way to talk and agree with each other. We will not raise a hand against each other because we are brothers. We have no other country. Meanwhile, five Knesset members, including two from Netanyahu's Likud party, called for consensus talks on judicial reform, proposed earlier by Israeli President Yitzhak Herzog. Israeli troops arrested two Palestinians suspected of involvement in the killing of an Israeli-American citizen during a recent terror attack. Footage released by the IDF shows troops conducting a daylight raid on a Palestinian refugee camp near the city of Jericho. Israeli leaders say the suspected terrorist gunned down 27-year-old Ilan Ganelis while he was driving to a friend's wedding. Ilan's family buried him in Israel. He's the latest death in a recent surge in terror attacks. The increase in terror attacks are raising concerns about the potential for another prolonged period of violence called an intifada. I recently talked with Rabbi Abraham Cooper from the Simon Wiesenthal Center about why the attacks are happening and what to expect in the coming weeks. Rabbi Abraham Cooper from the Simon Wiesenthal Center, welcome back to Jerusalem Dateline. Thank you. It's good to be back in Jerusalem and on this wonderful program. We've had a number of terror attacks recently. 
Um, what's your reaction to that and also to some of the Israeli response, very few numbers that have had a violent response to that? What's your reaction? First and foremost, I think everybody here is holding their breath with Ramadan coming up, uh, talks about a possible intifada, a whole new generation of young Palestinians who didn't experience the previous two or they wouldn't even be thinking about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and the incredible uh, tragedies that were involved. The two brothers who were murdered uh, on a main road in an Arab town and just see two young people cut down for no reason. The young Palestinian terrorists who came at them has been basically brainwashed and poisoned almost from birth in this culture of death fortified by the Palestinian authorities pay to slay knowing that even when he gets caught or if he gets killed his family be well taken care of. And I think, especially for viewers in the United States, well, you know, what can Americans do? The American taxpayer gives a ton of money to the Palestinians. And you want to change the equation? Basically, call up Abbas and say, you have a law on your books that basically rewards terrorists and their families when they murder and maim Jews. We want the law rescinded publicly and an end to it, or we're going to reconsider how much money we're going to be sending. This is a moral blank check that has been handed to a corrupt institution. Unfortunately, it's the same script every time. Israel should promise this, Israel should do that, and we're going to do this for the Palestinian Authority, and et cetera, et cetera. And unfortunately, unless that equation changes, I don't see any real possibility of change. Yeah, now let's hop over to the other side of the ocean. Uh, to the U.S., a group said they were organizing a National Day of Hate. Uh, what is that all about? Christopher Ray, who's the head of the FBI, recently testified before Congress that 63% of all religious-based hate crimes in America target 2.4% of the population, American Jews. And many of those incidents are violent. And that's not even to delve into the fact that on social media, you have an echo chamber for anti-Semitism, for hatred, for terrorism on both sides of the Atlantic. The neo-Nazis and the white supremacists who know how to leverage social media, they posted something about uh, this uh, day of hate for the Jewish Sabbath. And uh, law enforcement tried to reassure people. They had uh, police cruisers going past synagogues in the major cities. Thank God there were, there were no attacks. But you can see the psychological impact uh, on the community. And we know from history that, you know, it begins with the Jews. It never ends with the Jews. Um, no, but you, you've been at a conference here. Right. There's uh, the annual uh, global conference. You have uh, people from dozens of countries, all the continents, about 200 participants with various sessions, including um, serious uh, updates about Iran, uh, some beautiful things about what Israeli NGOs are doing uh, in, uh, on a humanitarian basis in, in Africa. Uh, and uh, I'm here to, to basically uh, share some of my experiences uh, and our ongoing commitment to deepen and expand the DNA of the Abraham Accords. So we've uh, okay. been involved both in the UAE and especially in Bahrain. We know which model we don't want to follow. Jordan, which signed when the late King Hussein was alive, a peace treaty with its former enemy. And yet in recent months, you have uh, Jewish and uh, Israeli tourists coming across the border to go to the sites, having their personal religious items confiscated or sending people back. I would rather deal with the United Arab Emirates who just opened the Abraham House, or frankly, Saudi Arabia, 
than deal with the current regime in Jordan. And I think it's an important guidepost that is something that always motivates me. Governments sign treaties. People make peace. Iran needs just 12 days to create enough nuclear material for a weapon. That's the testimony of a top Pentagon official who told the U.S. lawmakers during a recent congressional hearing. This doesn't mean Iran can actually produce a bomb in 12 days, but that it could soon have enough material to try developing a nuclear weapon. Last week, the International Atomic Energy Agency confirmed it detected uranium enriched to 83 percent purity at a facility in Iran. Ninety percent enrichment is needed for weapons-grade uranium. Coming up, earthquake survivors in Turkey are facing robbery and other crimes. How Operation Blessing is helping them rebuild their lives in the midst of increasing danger. Names from the Old Testament are being unearthed all over the city of Jerusalem. This was amazing. Come as close as you can get to personalities that are known from the Bible. Astonishing discoveries made today. A jaw-dropping moment of Bible archaeology. This is much more than a thrill. This is actual history that took place here on the site where we sit right now. Confirm the kings and prophets of the Bible left real evidence of their lives. Right time, the right place, with the right people. And one of the most significant finds in recent history. Exactly as the Bible tells us happened in the days of King Hezekiah. Written in stone, kings and prophets. We have the Bible and we have archaeologists. Telling our story, it's matching. The Old Testament is a reliable history book. Get your copy today for a gift of any dollar amount. Call now or go to cbn.com slash written in stone. Download the CBN News app, 24-7 News, from a Christian perspective at home or on the road. One place for all of your news. Breaking news alerts. Set daily prayer goals and pray for news stories. Read the most important news and watch CBN News Channel Live. CBN News, because truth matters. Go to CBNNewsApp.com to get the app today. The Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In CBN's free guide, 10 Ways You Can Pray for Israel, you'll learn spiritual lessons from Israel's patriarchs, prophets, and beloved New Testament leaders, while also discovering how you can pray for Israel today. Get your free copy. Call 1-800-700-7000 or go to cbn.com slash pray for Israel. Millions of people are grappling with the aftermath of those devastating earthquakes in Turkey. Operation Blessing is on the ground, helping survivors begin building, re, building their lives. But the situation is still often dangerous, and victims are now having to contend with crimes like robbery. Brody Carter has this report. The topography in Turkey is absolutely breathtaking. There are no words to describe how pretty it is here. Unfortunately, on the antithesis side of things, that's exactly how it is. Looking at the devastation, the destruction, and the death left behind from three separate earthquakes. And trying to rob as much as they can. People are getting desperate. Danger in Turkey remains. Even after three quakes and numerous aftershocks rocked ten historic cities. There's been multiple earthquakes since we've been on the ground. 
So it got um, determined that it's not safe to stay inside. We're here in the city of Hatay, the most devastated city recently as of Monday, to be hit by Turkey's third earthquake. What you're seeing behind me right now is the only road into the city. That means supplies coming in through this road have been very uh, treacherously and also slowly coming into this warehouse to Operation Blessing, which is now turned into a distribution center because of word of mouth. The need is everything. These people have nothing. Most of them are living in tents or their cars. Um, they have no hygiene products. Most of them left their house in the middle of the night because it happened while they were sleeping. They have no shoes on their feet. They have no socks. They have nothing. IDP. Okay. Internal displays person. And that's what's happened. Turkish people are IDPs in this moment. Estimates vary between one and two million people left homeless, like Hakan Hamaraku. He and his family now live in tents and temporary housing outside his dilapidated home. He's forced to stare at an unwanted yet familiar scene that has overtaken Turkey's beautiful landscape. <laughs> I threw my children and my wife from one room to another to escape, and it worked for us. Tonight I'm making steak. Oh, you're making steak tonight. Even amid the chaos, Operation Blessing remains steadfast on its mission to help those suffering and share God's love with those in need. We're here to help people first, you know, water, shelter, food, medicine, you know. But there's some, some people that has been asking for it. It's like, oh, you guys are Christian. Oh, can you pray for me? Wow. You know, so it's like, it's, it's very powerful too. Uh, it's not meaning that they are gonna, but the seed is being planted. It has been weeks since the initial earthquake devastated the region. Thankfully, Operation Blessing has been on the ground since then, and they will continue to be for weeks to come. But they will leave. And when they do so, they're hopeful that they leave the tools behind needed here in Turkey so that the people who are struggling and suffering will one day be able to thrive and rebuild their lives. Brody Carter reporting in Turkey, CBN News. One of the biggest needs in Turkey is reliable medical care. Hundreds of thousands were injured and medical centers were destroyed in the quakes. Franklin Graham's organization, Samaritan's Purse, is operating a state-of-the-art field hospital inside one of the worst-hit areas. Chris Mitchell has the story. After two massive earthquakes shook Turkey on February 6th, Samaritan's Purse deployed one of its state-of-the-art field hospitals to the hardest-hit area. In a disaster of this magnitude, time is of the essence. Within days, this hospital was on its way here to Hatay, Turkey, set up in less than 36 hours and one week after the earthquake, fully operational. I like to say it's like we fly with a city. Everything that we bring on our plane, we're ready to go when we hit the ground. We bring everything we need. The only thing we really need is some sort of water and diesel. And if we don't have diesel, we know how to make it. Our goal is to set up within 24 to 72 hours max. This is going to be our ICU step-down unit. Media relations specialist Stephen Sneed set the scene for CBN News. It's always amazing to see an empty parking lot turn into a life-saving facility such as our emergency field hospital. Sneed says the hospital has served over a thousand patients. We've seen patients really across the board, so men, women, children. We've also seen people with infections. During the initial earthquake, uh, a lot of people were wounded and injured, and with a lack of proper health care, there's been no way for them to really receive treatment in a timely manner. The field hospital is set up next to an 1,100-bed facility 
put out of commission by the quake. This was the main health care facility for this region, and now that it's no longer operable, we're really treating all of the needs from a health care perspective that exists. And so whether that's high blood pressure issues, whether it's respiratory issues, people not having access to their medications now that their homes have been destroyed. Um, so across the board, we're just seeing everything. The hospital provides 52 beds, four ICU units. It also includes an ER, pharmacy, lab, and operating rooms all run by a team of nurses, support staff, and doctors like emergency room physician, Dr. Chris Brandenburg. For us, it's, um, it's been a blessing to be here helping these people. They've been extremely appreciative to us. You know, I'm thankful for Samaritan's Person, all that they're doing, you know, to treat these people. Because it's a, when you talk about being a time of need for medical and trauma care, you, you're not going to get bigger than this. They're providing medical care for patients like Hidayat Ok and Yusuf Khan. They helped me a lot. I've never seen treatment like this before, so I feel really revived. We have to thank all these people, this organization and the hospital. President and CEO Franklin Graham came to visit the facility. What it does for your, for your heart to see uh, this team that's come from around the world, uh, that's assembled doctors and nurses in Jesus' name, and to be able to, to help the people of Turkey. And we're so grateful uh, for the help of the Turkish government and all the agencies here in Turkey have been incredible to work with. All the staff and facilities have one purpose. A great opportunity to serve people that are hurting, bring in some hope and healing. Graham says it's important to pray for the people of Turkey. They're suffering. Uh, it's still cold at night. They're suffering. And just pray that God would uh, allow us and the others to, to be able to reach them and help them uh, to save life. Chris Mitchell, CBN News, at Samaritan's Purse Field Hospital, Hatay, Turkey. Up next, terror experts warn that ISIS is growing again in the Middle East, why it could soon become a major threat to the West. Now, for a limited time, you can get five of CBN's critically acclaimed documentaries. Experience the rebirth of the modern state of Israel, the historic bonds between the Jewish people and the land of Israel cannot be broken. Relive the battle for Jerusalem in the Six-Day War. Jerusalem is yours forever. Discover how Israeli volunteers are changing the world. When people need us, we volunteer and we come and help. Explore the world of Israeli technological innovation. We're people of dreams. God gives us dreams. And that's really the roots, I think, of, of much of our innovation. And understand the biggest land dispute in history. Many Palestinian Arabs claim that the Jews stole Arab land. But is that the real story? This exclusive Israel DVD collection can be yours for a gift of $29.99 or more. Call now or go online to get your Israel DVD bundle, which includes streaming access. Come home to the sounds of Southern Gospel from CBN Radio. You'll enjoy a rich Southern blend of bluegrass, classic gospel, and Southern Gospel favorites like the Gaithers, the Crab Family, and bluegrass sounds like Mountain Faith. So make yourself at home with the all-new CBN Southern Gospel. Now available at CBNRadio.com.
Introducing a brand new way to start your morning, the CBN News Quick Start Podcast. Each weekday morning at 7 a.m., get quick highlights of the day's important news, then an in-depth analysis that goes beyond the headlines, insights that matter to people of faith. Discover how God is moving around the world and here at home. Find the CBN News Quick Start Podcast on iTunes or wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. Because truth matters. Western intelligence agencies are bracing for a possible terror attack after a Danish politician publicly burned a Quran in Sweden last month. Dale Hurd has the story. Protests erupted throughout the Islamic world after the public burning of a Quran in Sweden last month. Prime Minister Ulf Christensen said while the burning was deeply disrespectful, it was protected under freedom of expression. The Islamic State terror group on social media has called for revenge attacks on Christians worldwide. The Muslim holy month of Ramadan begins March 23rd, and last year's observance saw 42 ISIS terror attacks in just three days. The threat of ISIS has returned, and Western intelligence agencies are on the lookout for any signs of a terrorist attack. Security expert Eric Karen says that in the Middle East and Asia, ISIS never went away. They have approximately 16,000 fighters between Iraq and Syria. They control 6 million people in that region. Uh, they have franchises throughout the world. Uh, we're talking probably around 25 franchises throughout Africa and Europe and here in America. A recent United Nations report also shows the ISIS threat increasing. Terrorism expert Sargis Sengeri says while the U.S. had to defeat ISIS on the battlefield, that alone wasn't enough to stop the movement. You have to kill folks on the battlefield uh, to take ground. You have to do that. But I don't think we ever fought against the ideology that really resonates between the six inches of uh, people's foreheads. So it will continue to fight and will continue to take territory. It will continue to force individuals to either convert or basically, you know, die in the process. Tina Ramirez with the humanitarian group Hardwired Global calls the resurgence of ISIS a nightmare for both Christians and Muslims in the Middle East. ISIS used to hold court in the ancient churches in the city of Mosul and sentence Muslims, Christians, others to death to having their hands or legs chopped off and then the women, thousands of women that we know who've been sexually enslaved. So the, the trauma that the entire community went through was horrific. ISIS is encouraging Muslims to use any method to kill Westerners, including trucks and nail guns. Karen believes the U.S. could be very vulnerable to a major terrorist attack. On the southern border, the northern border is wide open. We know that there's over 55 million shipping containers that come into America. Less than 2% uh, are examined. We need to take the gloves off and understand that this threat's not going away. It's only increased in the last few years. The idea that they don't want to attack us again like a 9-11, but even bigger, is foolish. They want to destroy America. Dale Hurd, CBN News. Still ahead, learning the spirit of entrepreneurship from Israel's founding fathers, how they use biblical principles and innovation to establish the modern state of Israel. Thank you for watching Jerusalem Dayline. 
we're committed to providing you with unbiased reporting from the Holy Land. Through weekly broadcasts, podcasts, and online media, our vision is to reach millions around the globe with the true story of what's happening in Israel and the Middle East, all from a biblical and prophetic perspective. This is a big vision and is only made possible by the generous support of people like you. Call us toll-free at 1-800-700-7000 or go to cbn.com slash Jerusalem Dateline and make a donation that will help spread the light of truth about Israel throughout the world. Orphan's Promise is committed to loving and serving at-risk children, to helping keep families together, and to creating opportunities for strong and sustainable communities around the world. We're working in over 60 countries around the world, and with your help, we can do even more. There's an old African proverb I love that says, if you want to run fast, run alone. But if you want to run far, run together. At Orphan's Promise, we want to run far so we can touch the lives of as many orphaned and vulnerable children as possible. But we don't want to go alone. We're out to change the world, one child, one family, one community at a time. Will you join us? Here, we're committed to a heritage of rigorous scholarship dating back over a thousand years. And to a faith tradition dating back a thousand more. This is how we create a culture of inquiry where no topic is off limits. And a culture of hope. Anything's possible! It's Christian leadership. And it's changing the world for the better. It's higher learning. It's greater knowing. It's what makes us whole. It's what makes us regent. Experience God on a new level. Empowering the believer is what this podcast is really all about. Discover insights into scriptures. Be encouraged by inspired teaching. Everyone listening. Everyone. You can be a chosen vessel. The Lesson with Gordon and Ashley. What did Jesus get? Everything that the Father has. Yes. Learn more about what God has for you. The Lesson on cbnfamily.com and YouTube. Recently, we told you about an event in Jerusalem bringing together product innovators with investors who could help turn their ideas into reality. Some observers remarked about the spiritual nature of the gathering, which Paul Strand explains should be no surprise when you consider Israel's history. A number of believers are uncomfortable mixing the Almighty and money. They point to scriptures such as Matthew 6, verse 24, that decrees you cannot serve both God and money. Entrepreneur John Medved, founder of Our Crowd, begs to differ. He says people, like those at this investor summit, need to examine the innovation and faith displayed by Israel's founding fathers and how that led to wealth. It goes all the way back to Abraham. He was actually quite a successful businessman. He was, they, they say actually, even in Hebrew, he, kaved son, he was heavy with flock. You know, whenever you talk about a guy who's like a heavy investor, Abraham was that kind of a person. His son, Isaac, drilled wells. He was a hydrologist. Okay, when you read the Bible, you realize that he was like Israel's first water expert. And his son, Jacob, was a biotechnologist. Remember what he did with his flocks in terms of changing their colors and stripes, okay, and how to breed them. His son, Joseph, was the mashbir, 
was this incredible private-public partner guy. He ran all of Egypt, which was the economic powerhouse of the time. So this goes all the way back into our DNA. This is what Israel is supposed to be doing. Medved points out, if people will follow these examples, walk in their own giftings, and strive to make the world a better place, God will bless their efforts. As the book of Proverbs puts it, great wealth is in the house of the righteous, and lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Paul Strand, CBN News, Jerusalem. That's all for this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can follow us on social media. I'm Julie Stahl. We'll see you next time on Jerusalem Dateline.